Do you long for deeper relationships? Are you feeling disconnected or lonely, left out, waiting to be invited? In this episode, we are diving into my three favorite weekly rhythms to cultivate deeper relationships. It's a simple way to consistently connect with people, and I'm inviting you to walk with me on this journey of connection this summer, deep, authentic, healing connection within, with others, and with God. Are you in a season where you're longing for more, desiring inner peace, hoping for more authenticity in relationships? Perhaps you're feeling unsettled inside, like you know that God is calling you deeper, higher, and further than you've ever gone before. You are ready for change, and it's time for something to shift. But what is it? What's been missing? My name is Amber Todd, I am a Christian counselor, and I believe that you were never meant to live a disconnected, segmented life. You were created for connection, deep, authentic, healing connection. First, within yourself, because your mental, physical, and spiritual health is interconnected. This is why I love collaborating with doctors and like-minded holistic practitioners who honor God's design for our whole being to function and operate in harmony. Life Interconnected Podcast is an intentional space you can come to every week to receive encouragement, hope, and a fresh perspective on your internal world so that you better understand your thoughts and emotions and how to live a connected life. Join this movement of mindful believers who desire to grow in our faith and cultivate a holistic approach to health and wellness. Subscribe to the podcast today and share it with your friends. Welcome to Life Interconnected. I've lived in four different states in my adult life. I grew up in Bloomington, Indiana. Shortly after graduating IU, I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. That's where I did Teach for America, taught in the inner city. And at that time, Nate was living outside of Philadelphia in Westchester, Pennsylvania, which is where I moved to join him when we got married in 2009. And then We moved to Michigan for a season when we were in transition. We weren't sure where God was leading us, um, but that felt like a respite and a healing time and a true sabbatical for us as we lived at his family's lake cottage. And now we are back in Indiana, in Fort Wayne. And I want to tell you about experiencing life in the Midwest, the South, and the Northeast, because when I think about these different places that I've lived... And of course, there's a difference in landscape and um, in culture and people and experiences. You know, but the biggest thing that I was impacted by observing was the difference in people and in relationships and sort of the unspoken rules of cultivating relationships. Now, of course, because I'm from the Midwest, that's all that I've known prior to moving to Pennsylvania and North Carolina. But yet, you know, I had sort of this standard of what that would look like to interact with people, right? In the public, um, outside my house, in my neighborhood, um, in stores. And when I moved to North Carolina, this was in 2007, um, right after I graduated from IU, I was first just really touched by how friendly people were. (laughs) Now, Charlotte is probably more of a melting pot than a lot of the cities in the South, but it definitely still has the Southern culture and feel. And I was just 
really uh, caught sort of off guard by how um, outgoing and you know, overly responsive that people were, no matter where I went, it could be in my neighborhood. You know, the expectation was to make eye contact and wave and start a conversation anywhere you went, whether it was walking outside, whether it was in a store with the cashier. And so people were just ultra friendly, super engaged. And it took me a little while to, you know, get used to that. And I mean, I'll say we are friendly in the Midwest, but maybe not as friendly as the people in the South. And so that there was like this warm feeling, you know, right when I moved there of like, okay, you know, I feel welcome here. I feel like people want to get to know me. You know, it just, it was a good feeling. Um, and, and I think that really shaped my experience as I lived in Charlotte and it was, I'm so thankful for that time. I love Charlotte, North Carolina. I love the Carolina It's just such a beautiful area of the country. And, and so that was for two years I lived there and that was my experience. And relationally, you know, I felt like it was easy to talk with people. Um, and so immediately there was this feeling of like, okay, everyone feels like your best friend because everyone's super chatty and talkative. But then it just felt, you know, it, it could stay at that surface level if you didn't make intention to cultivate deeper relationships. And of course, being who I am, that's what I, I longed for. And so I think it just took um, an extra effort to be able to um, dig in deeply with people and to ask, um, deep questions and to kind of go beyond the surface since sort of the surface was a standard in the South. Now, following my time in Charlotte, I moved to Westchester, Pennsylvania, outside of Philadelphia. Nate had lived there for two years, um, while we were engaged and I sort of had the opposite, um, introductory experience. I remember the first few weeks I moved there, you know, obviously coming directly from the South, I was still, you know, smiling and waving at people and chatting, you know, trying to strike up conversation. And, and I'm obviously making very generalizations. I'm not saying this is everyone, but from my experience, you know, many people in the Northeast, you know, if you, if you, you know, wave or say hello, then there's this assumption that you know them. And so the typical standard is not really to in, interact much. You know, you kind of just like look away when you're crossing on the sidewalk, um, but only really engage if you truly know someone. And so that was hard. I remember like the first three or four times I waved to someone and in my neighborhood and sort of getting like a confused look back like, oh, okay, this isn't what people do here. Um, and and it, it was hard. It, it was, it was challenging in the beginning. And it felt like sometimes like hitting a relational brick wall because people who had lived there their whole lives were super, you know, connected and had these deep relationships. But as an outsider, it felt really hard to break in. But over time, over consistent time of making the effort to cultivate friendship and relationship, I finally felt like I had that and found that. And I will say, side note, living in three different states, I think each time I made an out-of-state move, it took me almost four years like to truly feel like, okay, I have my best friends, I have deep relationships, I found my people, my tribe. And so I just want to say that out loud. It takes time. You know, it takes intention to build and cultivate relationship. And you know, one thing that I realized in Pennsylvania is that, you know, even though it takes people a long time to warm up to you and to let you in, like once they let you in, like you're a family, like 
they are like loyal friends for life. And I think just that feeling of like, okay, I'm, I finally like crossed this threshold where I no longer feel like an outsider, but I have my people like that, that, you know, did take intention and time. And then, um, Nate and I, we moved back to Michigan for a short time. That was just a few months. And then coming back to Fort Wayne, um, I mean, I just, maybe because I'm from the Midwest, I feel like it's, you know, more naturally easy for me to connect with people here. And Fort Wayne, you know, one of my favorite things about living here is the people. Like there are just incredible, amazing people here in so many different circles that I'm in, in my work circles and my, my personal life, my family is here. Um, I just am just so grateful for how healing that has been for us. And if you listen to, you know, previous episodes of the podcast, I talk about like how burnt out I was leaving Pennsylvania. And at that time I was on staff at our church and just feeling super burnout in general with church and ministry. And it was a really hard season. And so we moved to Fort Wayne, like we were longing for relational connection. We were wanting um, to go deeper with people. And that's really why we chose the church that we did is because we felt like, man, like these people are so loving and authentic and intentional. And it was just like healing balm to my soul. And so I think having this experience being in three different cultures in the country has led me to some really big, you know, kind of aha moments and, and realizations that I've continued to carry with me. Um, I think this idea of being in community and cultivating a relationship is so, so important to our healing because we are interconnected beings. And, you know, not only is that within us, which, you know, obviously I talk about a lot on the podcast, our mind, body, and spirit is interconnected. It's how God designed us individually, but we can't stop there because we were built for relationship. We were built for community. We were never meant to live a disconnected, lonely life. And yet in our culture where there's so much convenience and social media, we can sort of have this facade of being connected, but yet deep down feeling really lonely. And I was listening to um, a podcast, a different podcast earlier this week, and she was talking about how, you know, we, we heal in community. And I was just really struck because, you know, as a therapist, I am holding space for some of the most sacred and secret things that someone is processing in their inner life. And, you know, people seek out therapy because they want a place to process. But at the same time, it can't stop there. Like your healing is never meant to be in a vacuum. If you're in counseling and you're not sharing any of that with any of your friends or your community, like that is limiting your healing. Like you need to invite others into your healing process. You need to um, be available and open to what God is teaching you. And this is hard for me. You know, I'm an internal processor. I'm a quick internal processor. And, And so I like to think through things deeply on my own. And so sometimes I don't just naturally offer that to my community of women or couples or families. And I'm learning how to do that. I'm learning how to, you know, offer myself without having the bow tied on it and without having it all figured out. And that's, you know, historically been a challenge for me, um, just because of things I've shared before about my story. And so, 
you know, I think this importance of like those of you who are doing the healing work, who are, you know, whether you're going to counseling or you're intentionally like processing your emotion and wanting to work through trauma or work through patterns, like you have to be in community. And I think being connected with others is such a healing part of that. And there's actually this counseling intensive program in Nashville, Tennessee called Onsite. And some of my friends have attended and their entire model is built around a communal experience. And it it just really got me thinking about, you know, all of my clients and not just my clients, but just all, all the people who I feel like are seeking healing. And I don't know about where you live, but it just seems like it's hard to find a good counselor. A lot of counselors are overbooked. They have long wait lists and, you know, it breaks my heart because I wish I could help every single person who reaches out to me, but I just physically don't have enough time in my schedule. Well, let let me reframe that. It's not that I don't have time. I know my limits and I know how many sessions I can do a week and still balance my own mental health and my own needs. And so I have to be able to care for myself to be able to pour into and hold space for others. And so it got me really thinking like I, I'm just dreaming and, and really, um, wanted to dialogue with God about what does it look like to hold more communal space for healing? And I think a part of that, and this is leads to my three main points today. There's three specific rhythms that I started several, several years ago that have just been a game changer in relationships and cultivating relationships. And it's just three simple questions that I started writing in my planner at the beginning of the week when I was kind of mapping out my week. And I want to invite you into each of these questions and this reflection, because I think it's just a good checkpoint of where you're at relationally and how you can cultivate deeper relationships. So question number one that I asked myself at the beginning of the week, who can I invite? That's a simple question. And it could have a lot of different meanings or connotations. So in the world of social media, you know, we tend to be passive observers or stalkers (laughs) of other people's lives. We sit and we wait to be invited. We think that everyone else is hanging out and we're left out, but it's time to change that narrative. And because of what we've talked about in this podcast, about being aware of your thought patterns and your inner story, your inner narrative, those well-worn paths in your brain, I want to identify some of these lies that maybe you're struggling with. Maybe you're thinking, oh, well, they don't like me, or I never get invited, or I'm not blank enough. I'm not cool enough, or I'm not in the inner circle, or I need to get my house perfect before I invite people over, or I'm not a good cook or whatever. Like we all have our insecurities. We all have the things that we feel like might hold us back from inviting people. Now I'm not just talking about inviting people over to your house for dinner. I think that's like an amazing way to cultivate community. And I definitely encourage you to do that, but it doesn't have to be complicated. Like literally I'll be running over to target, which is like five minutes from my house. Praise God. (laughs) Love Target. And I might just call my neighbor and say, hey, do you want to hop in the car? I'm running over to Target to pick up a few things. And then we have time to chat in the car and walk around the store. And maybe she grabs things. I grab a few things. And then we head home. Like it's not super complicated. But as a busy mom of four who works, I have to find like those pockets of time when I can cultivate relationship. Maybe it's going on a walk around the neighborhood. Like there's several mom friends in my neighborhood. And after I get the kids down, I might say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to walk a few laps. Does anyone want to join? 
And again, those are just, you know, organic opportunities to build relationship. I'm inviting them to join me in my life and in what I'm doing. Often on Sabbath, like I, I shared last week about our rhythm with Sabbath, usually the person who's hosting will invite another family or a friend to join us to experience Sabbath. And so that that is a gift because, you know, they get to step into this deep relationship and experience that we've cultivated. And I think that, you know, just being mindful of making the first step of like, you go first. Don't wait for someone else to invite you. You invite them. Call, call someone, send a text, um, send any sort of invitation that can say, Hey, I'm thinking of you. Cause that's really what invitations do, right? It shows the people in our lives. You're important to me. I'm thinking of you and I want to spend time with you. And I can say, you know, after living in three different States and making, making out of state moves, there's sort of this assumption of like, okay, if I have a deep, close friendship, it will just stay like that forever. But friendships take invested time. And I, I love Jenny Allen's book, find your people. If you're feeling totally lost and not even knowing where to start, that's a great book because Jenny talks about like how you need to cultivate a certain number of hours a year to have close relationships. I think it's like, I want to say 200 hours. It's something in that ballpark. Think about that. Think about how many hours you need to log just to get to know someone, um, to spend time with them. And so that's why we need to take steps towards invitation because invitations are an opportunity to spend time with people in person. And when we spend time with people in person, then we have the opportunity to cultivate depth. We can't cultivate depth if we're not spending time together. Okay. So that's point number one. Point number two, here's the next question. Who can I encourage? Your words are a free and simple way of speaking life into others. Everyone needs encouragement. Even the people you think have it all together. You know, I, I was walking last weekend in my neighborhood. Um, Nate and I were walking with the kids and our neighbor, her, her dog ran out and the kids were so excited about the dog and she came out and, and she, just started tearing up and sharing about how she had just listened to my podcast about Sabbath and that it was so healing for her and how she just deeply appreciated what I had shared in in the episode about how it was allowing her to slow down and to really enjoy her family and to be present in her life instead of always running herself in the ground thinking that she had to accomplish her to-do list. And I was just so touched and so grateful for her sharing that with me. Like it honestly fueled me and spurred me on. I feel like every week when I hear from just one person who's listened and been encouraged, like it just means the world because it's, it shows me like, I'm not just talking. I'm not recording this episode for myself. Like I'm doing this because I want to sow seeds into your life. Like as you're listening, like I, I want my words to be words of life and encouragement to you. And so many times we think positive things about someone or we think about how much they've impacted us, but we don't tell them. And those are, I want you to think about it like seeds. Those are seeds inside of you that you have the opportunity to plant into someone else. And so even if it's simple, like compliment, um, you know, you're in the grocery checkout line and you love the blouse of the cashier. That sounds like a really old person word blouse, but (laughs) you say, wow, like, I love your shirt. Like, it's so cute or whatever. It can be simple. 
but just saying words of life, whether it's like the surface level appearance thing or, oh my goodness, like I really admire how patient you are as a mom. I see you taking time to get on your kid's level, looking at them eye to eye and really making them feel important and giving them your full attention. Like that just it's a beautiful way to acknowledge people in our lives and say, I see you by giving them encouragement. One of my favorite books in grad school for counseling is called Friendship Counseling, Jesus's Model for Speaking Life Words to Hurting People. And this book is amazing because it goes through all these examples of the times Jesus interacted with people and spoke words of life. You do not see Jesus shaming people um, or or like harshly condemning them. He, he was always a gentle shepherd. He would invite others into healing. He would invite others into repentance and freedom, and he would speak words of life over them. It's a simple thing to do. Therapists do this all the time, but this should be an everyday counseling uh, friendship thing because you have the opportunity to be a friendship counselor. I'm going to do a whole other episode on that because I think our, our friendships and how we truly cultivate, um, words and holding space in our friendships is super important. And, you know, you can ask any of my clients, you know, not only am I holding space and listening, but I think, you know, I can see as I'm speaking words of life over someone or just like at the end saying, I'm so proud of you, or I see you really making this effort, or I see you, you know, digging deep and it'd be easier to run away. I can see with my visible eyes that it's like healing balm to their soul. We all want to be seen. We all want to be acknowledged, valued, and loved. And it's a simple, simple thing you can do with people around you. So often at the beginning of the week, I'll think, okay, who can I encourage this week? I'll think about who have I noticed as maybe having a hard time. Maybe they're seeming a little anxious or depressed or overwhelmed, or maybe they just lost a loved one. Or maybe their husband just made a big job transition. I can tell that they're stressed. Or maybe a specific child is really struggling with behavior and they just need some encouragement as a mom to keep going. Whoever it is, I want you to think about how you can encourage them. So it could be um, something practical like shooting them a text message or sending them a post on social media when you think about them or writing a note. I love real mail. (laughs) I love getting letters in the mail and writing real letters. Um, a Marco Polo. I love that app because you can really see someone's face and tone, um, whatever the form of encouragement and know that your words carry power. And point number three, the third question that I ask myself at the beginning of every week is who can I thank? Gratitude is super important for our mental health. Neuroscience shows that gratitude makes a difference in our brain. And, you know, as I said earlier, we often think positive things about others, but we, we don't speak it. We don't release it. And words of appreciation go such a far way. And so thanking someone for what they've done, you know, acknowledging any effort that they made, any thoughtfulness, anything that you appreciate. You know, my kids are really good at this. I'm thankful that they see the little things that Nate and I do as their parents to love them and serve them. And it's just a part of our family culture that you express appreciation and say thank you when someone does something for you. And it communicates again, I see you, I value you, you're important to me. And so at the beginning of the week, I think, 
okay, is there, is there something that someone has done that I want to acknowledge? Like most recently, my kids just finished school. And so, you know, we got their teachers a gift and each of the girls wrote down, you know, they wrote notes and they're at the age, I mean, they're seven and nine. So I actually feel like they wrote really thoughtful notes and (laughs) I just could see how much it meant to each of their teachers. And so I think, you know, whatever the modality, just genuinely expressing gratitude to others, whether it's someone you know well, or even just, you know, someone you see doing a kind act. Like my husband was driving with the kids home the other day and our neighbor stopped because there was a turtle crossing the street and she didn't want the turtle to get hit. So she stopped and got out of our car and was like making sure that the turtle got across to the pond. And, you know, that symbol act of like, thank you for keeping an eye out for the turtle. Like that was, that was thoughtful for you to go above and beyond. And, and to do that again, seems so simple, maybe seems insignificant, but yet we are, we are allowing Christ in us to see Christ in someone else and expressing gratitude is something that is fueling our brains for words of life. Gratitude creates a breeding ground inside of your brain for positive thinking, for truth and words of life. And, you know, there's something that we uh, talk about in neuroscience called priming your brain. This is why, you know, people start their days in gratitude. I love having a gratitude journal or just coming up with like three to five things I'm grateful for at the beginning of the day. Because when I walk downstairs and I see my family and if, you know, if it's chaotic or things are stressful, if I started my day in gratitude, I'm then looking for things to be grateful for. And rather than looking at things to feel negative about or be triggered by. So expressing gratitude out loud to others and to God is a super important way to cultivate that relationship. Here's the big idea for the week. Deep relationships require consistency over time. Logged hours spent together. Three simple ways to gain momentum in relationships is to choose three people each week to invite, encourage, or thank. So here's what I want you to reflect on this week. I want you to make a list of 10 people that you would like to cultivate deeper relationships with. Now, if you're thinking, Amber, I don't know 10 people, then just list maybe three places you could start to go consistently where you might have opportunities to meet people. Think about the park or the library, hiking club, church, neighborhood walks. I want you to list 10 people. And I want you to be intentional this summer with those 10 people, okay? Now, research shows that we can only maintain a close, close inner circle of two to four people. We sort of have these layers, right? Like maybe it's not always, not all 10 people are going to be like your BFF, but we can manage a total of about 20 relationships that are feel like significant relationships. So that's why I picked 10, Okay. Somewhere in the middle, you're going to have a range of people who you feel really close to and people who maybe you want to get to know. But I just want you to focus on 10 to kind of rotate and go through that this summer. This summer, we are focusing all about connection. And with these 10 people each week, I do it on Sunday nights. I want you to think about, okay, eat this week. Who am I going to invite? Who am I going to invite to my house? Who am I going to invite to coffee or to dinner? Just pick one person to invite to one place. Okay. Who will I encourage? Who needs some encouragement this week? Pray about it. 
Ask God. He sees people and knows who needs encouragement. And then finally, who will I thank? Who's someone that I want to express appreciation and gratitude to? I'd love for you to tag me on Instagram, Amber Todd underscore org, O-R-G. Tag me and let me know um, who you're spending time with, who you're encouraging, who you're thanking, or just how you were impacted by this episode. I'd love for you to share it with a friend. Thanks for being here this week. Sneak peek for next week. We are going to continue to dive into the power of cultivating relational connection. Thank you so much for sharing this space with me today. I want you to know that God sees you. You are loved, valued, and important. If this podcast helped you, it would mean so much if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and text or post a screenshot with your friends who can join our mindful movement of believers. Let's live intentionally as God designed life to be interconnected. I'm cheering for you. We are in this together, and I look forward to next time.